Hello and welcome to the Provincial State of Mind podcast with me, Tom Savage, and and Jeff Neville. Blue said, and this and is me this, and me, Jeff Neville. This is the most cursed combination of the Provincial State of Mind <laughs> when Owen isn't here, <laughs> and and not Owen Harrison because he's not here. He's off at the. It's actually the, the, the annual child fighting ring. Uh, it's their it's their <laughs> national championships. So. <laughs> <laughs> The daughter is going to go very far this year. They have fierce high hopes for. Her. Um. So we have. There's no script. That's the intro. That's the how, intro. How was your week? Um, um. Grant. I'm. Do you know what? Adult. Adult. Too much shopping. Too, too much, much shopping. traveling around, dropping things off, chit chatting. Um. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick there's of not, all this Christmas cheer. There's nothing worse when you're stuck at the front gate of someone and you really want to leave but they keep bringing up conversation and you're yeah. like I don't know how to break this to you I have 20 more houses to get to so let's wrap this up yeah it's like I'm out of here okay just like do you want me to start jingling my keys here because I'll do it take the hint <laughs> <laughs> we were also at a number of um, children's plays this year and um Man, they go on. Yeah. They go just on when, those plays. Just when you think they're over. There's more. Wrong. There is yet more. We were uh, there the other day watching a uh, one of uh, my uh, girlfriend's uh, nephews. Did really well. A lovely uh, speaking bit. And we were planning on getting up and bouncing after he was done. Right? Because we were thinking, okay, he's like, he's done. We're out of here. <laughs> But we actually ended up getting stuck to stay there for an entire extra 45 minutes because that's how long the next play with the next class was. And it was about all the people from around the world who were there. And I'm sure this was absolutely adorable for their parents and people who knew them. But I was there the entire time just like <laughs> looking at the, my imaginary watch on my wrist, kind of going, could we wrap this up, please? Because we have places to be. And the minute they were finished, we were up like a fucking shot, like scooching past people in the in the church pew, because it was in a church. We were right up the front. So we had to scooch past the two and we had to walk all the way down. We're still pregnant doing it as well. And we're just like, just look at the door, no one else, and get out of here. It's and like, that's what we did. It's like when you used to go to mass and after the communion, you wouldn't go back to your seat. You just continue the walk. <laughs> <laughs> Exit out the back. <laughs> uh, that's what we did. And we, and we left post haste. And uh, yeah, today now, like we record, we're recording this through the magic of podcasting, right? At around eight o'clock on Wednesday. I have been literally driving all day. So I am, I am tired. I haven't been for a swim this week. So I'm just, I'm now, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, I'm a, I'm a bit of an Aquaman. Now I need to be, I need to be in that water now. Christmas robbed us of Tom swimming. Christmas and Christmas paraphernalia and all the stuff around it. Like today and hour, for example, because we don't, the likes of us don't normally be shopping in Marks and Spencers. I think we can agree on that. Right. <laughs> But because it's Christmas, uh, herself, says, herself says, you want to go in? 
You want to go into? Uh, can I ask? Into... Can I? Can I ask why you just went into the deck? Um, I I don't know. Um, the, the, herself is just back from. She was just dropping off another bag of stuff, and slammed the door. And in doing so, the lights went off here because <laughs> I was watching it. <laughs> and I know people can't see this, but you just started flickering, and then suddenly it's all dark. And I was like, like "There's poltergeist okay. activity." <laughs> okay, this took a dark turn. <laughs> It actually, do you know what's after happening? It, when she closed the door really hard, as you have to do here, it shook the light bulb out of the out of the sockets. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I forgot I've forgotten where I was off that after that poltergeist activity. So, um, yeah, what did you do for the week? Um, I've been sick all week. I actually went to the women's AIL final there last Saturday. And had one of the most awkward moments of my life in a long, long time because we went in, myself and a friend of mine, we went in and, um, oh, you're back. You're out. You're back. And you're gone. You're back. Maybe you've just flashy lights. I don't know. But um, we went to the AIL women's final anyway. And wherever we sat, you know, we, we went in and we sat down and we thought to ourselves, yeah, lovely, you know, happy days. We'll, we'll sit down and we'll, 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 we'll watch the game. But we ended up sitting in front of um, a series of fans, which is grand. Like, you know, it, it happens and whatever. And But they were shouting for this, that and everything. And every single call, whatever. And after genuinely about a minute into the game, maybe two minutes, we were like, you know what, we might just shove up a little bit. So we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll shove up into the middle, you know, neutral ground, halfway line kind of a thing. That was fine. And a great view of the game, watched the game, everything was fine. But what happened was we ended up sitting behind exactly where the presentation happened or was about to happen, you know, at full time. And we didn't move on time. Like, you know, when, when the game finished, we sat there, we applauded the teams, whatever. But we didn't actually get up and move or anything like that. And we ended up sitting behind the speeches, the cup presentation, uh, you name it. And we couldn't actually get up and move at that stage because it just made it too awkward. Do you know, like we were like, we're here now. A bit like People us have... at the top of the church. Yes. Like... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Like, Sorry. We're, we're, we're here now and we're going to have to stay here because if we move people, it will just highlight the awkwardness. It will... <laughs> It's just, this is actually an awkwardness enhancer. It's already people, awkward. People might have realized it was awkward, but if we moved out, I was right. That is awkward. So <laughs> we ended up having to, we just stayed there for the whole thing. Uh, the speeches, the cup presentation, the photos. And a friend of mine was um, playing in that game. She captained Blackrock, uh, Michelle Claffey. So it was actually quite nice that way that after the game, like I was actually four foot behind her maybe. <laughs> I was like, hi, Michelle, how are you? So that, so that was nice but the girl i went with I, I went with a friend of mine neve and she was friends with hannah o'connor now i've never met hannah o'connor in my life like i i know who she is don't get me wrong like but i've never met her i've never spoken to her anything like that but next thing whatever way i turned around neve is chatting to hannah o'connor and she's like congratulations blah blah gives her a big hug and next thing hannah o'connor looks at me I'm already through the last awkward 10, 15 minutes of my, you know, of the last while of my life. So I was like, I don't know what to do here. So Hannah O'Connor just went, thanks for coming and went to ha- hug me as well. So I was just like, do you know what? You've just won the AIL. I'm going to hug You're you You're getting too. a hug off Jeff Neville. <laughs> so I'm going to hug you too. So I just hugged her. But like about halfway through the hug, both of us kind of realized 
I don't know this person. Wait, who is this? <laughs> like, I don't know him. I don't know her. But we're too deep in this now. So we're just going to have a hug. Thanks just start, for coming. Just start oh. clapping on the back like that then. And that kind of ends up fairly quickly. You're like, well done, well done, well done. <laughs> it was so awkward. <laughs> so Hannah O'Connor, if you're listening, I'm sorry for the hug. I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's just like, it all just happened so quickly. <laughs> I Please saw like- you on TV, actually. But like even during the presentation, like your man finished speaking and he didn't know what to do with the mic and he went to hand it to me. And I was like, I'm not fucking, I'm not part what, of what, this. What are you giving it to me for? It's like, hello, <laughs> just, welcome to Provincial State of Mind and Live. Then he, <laughs> and then he just put it on the ground in front of my feet. And I was like, well, this is even more awkward. <laughs> I didn't take the mic off. You just think I'm ignorant. <laughs> my God. You should, be just, really, you should just stay away from rugby games and live in person. I was, really gl- I was really glad I went to that game. <laughs> the Because I saw you on TV. And I did a normal, the, the usual normal thing that people do is where they see somebody they know on TV. They text that person to go. Yeah, you did text me. You're yeah. on TV. <laughs> Are you aware of this? <laughs> Just so you know, you're at the game. I was like, I know. <laughs> you're at the game. I've seen you there. Um, and I was saying, I was saying it to herself. And she was like, I was like, that's, that's Jeff. And she was like, who? <laughs> I was like, you know, I do the fucking podcast with on Wednesday. You don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but all week I've been looking at photos of the cup presentation and seeing videos, and there I am just in the background clapping blindly, <laughs> <laughs> just kind of staring off into space a small bit, just aware of how awkward it is, but don't want to laugh because it makes it more awkward. Just like, can I a just friend, like slink a, behind someone? A friend of mine a few years ago, he was in the crowd for the late late show and picked his nose when the camera was on him. Oh, and he obviously got the text about it. Because he was in a very prominent place and not to take the situation lightly or anything. They were talking about emigration, but it was the guy in front of him who was chatting about emigration and he was oh, behind him. And he had obviously gotten the text about the nose picking because he kept scratching his nose and whatever. Like, And funnily enough, the girl who was beside him in the Late Late Show was actually beside me at the AIL final. <laughs> and I was like, you should know how to deal with this situation. <laughs> You've been here before. You've done this. Like, what do I do? Do I pick my nose? I don't know. I think the only thing you have to do is just kind of just sit there and just try to like, because again, I think cameras, they're a bit like, they're a bit like raptors in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Their vision is based on movement. They lock on. Yeah. So I was <laughs> just trying to very stay completely like, still. I turned around and I was like, just wait. They'll do the initial lift. They might do a second lift. They might have a little cheer. After that, it's going to cut back to someone else. And that's it. We're up. We're gone. We're out of here. <laughs> like you got to time this. You got a very tasteful shot of you though, mid game, legs up in the seat in front of you, back, nice hat on you as well. Oh, I was very comfortable. Yeah, Stubble looking I... tasteful. Oh, and I was thanks. just like, yeah, Jesus that. Christ, he's fucking full of who look there now, <laughs> chilling out, <laughs> energy apart by. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, they've actually emailed me since and they said, "Are you interested in being the poster boy?" And I was like, "You know what? Why not? You know what? Yes." Yeah, I have nothing else going on. <laughs> uh, Owen said he would kind of send us updates um, from the the pit fighting thing for the children. Um, but to be honest, I, I don't want that footage on my phone. No, I've told him flat out I'd rather not receive it. Thank it's just pure much. pure violence. Like his daughter's, she's going to win that. Like because like she's been training so hard. Like she's um, she is just like nobody has anything for her at these fighting championships. I don't think. But I don't want to see. I don't want to see these children beaten up by her. To be honest. I just don't do you, want to see it. Do you want to pretend Owen is here tonight anyway? And 
now and again we just put on his voice as best we can I'm trying to think what does Owen's voice sound like uh, one second he'd be like oh, no the bean counters at Munster are happy with that <laughs> it's just, I was just like is he, yeah mate yeah yeah <laughs> uh, just Munster it's just I, I hate Munster you know what I mean do you know what I mean because like you might Owen's, think Owen would Owen, never say that he hates Munster but Owen we know that that isn't true Jeff. Owen says it a lot or he actually only said it just today. Or he'd say, the line-out, the line-out, the line-out wasn't good enough. Is I it, feel I feel Owen was nearly here. Is that it's Owen just, it's just like it's like this. The scrum just, it just wasn't any good. Do you remember we invested in that sound machine not so long ago? I'm really glad we invested. I'm really glad in because it's, it's flawless, actually. Yeah, and I'm going to apologize to the listeners for sniffing as well and for sounding so nasally. Uh, I'm just dying of a... Flu, cold, flu, cold. I don't know. Hi there. My name's Owen. I uh, just want to tell you that uh, them scrums and lineouts, they were no good. They were no doggone good. Goddamn good. I like scrums. I like to see my child fighting and winning. More importantly, Right. Rugby. Do, we st- do we start the rugby? Yeah, yeah. That's what Owen would want. That's what he would like, I think, yeah. Um, who wants to start? Do you want to start? What's the first game? Um, well, What's Munster the is game? the Sunday. So do you want to start with him and just let's work start backwards? with the one. Let's, let's start with the one on Sunday, and then I can just kind of mentally check out for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> so that makes two people mentally checking out for an entire podcast. Absolutely. And it makes, yeah. it, it, it makes a difference. This is why this is why Owen always puts Monster last to stop me from checking out. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's a salty one like that. Because um, he actually did literally write today in that WhatsApp group. He said, "I hate Monster," and I said to him, "Take that back. You don't mean that." And he said, "Please talk about rugby." And I said, "I'll think about it. I'll think about it, but you're not going to be here, so." You're not here, Mr. Rulemaker. So, so you can't tell us what to do. I want to be like, y'all better talk about rugby now. I'm like, you're not here. We'll start with Leinster because they were the Friday night. Yes. Yeah. And uh, destroyed Leicester. Yes. Um, so, so that's the end of the Leinster conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, you know, I, I, I had every intention of watching this game all the way to the end because I wanted to watch all of the rugby this weekend. But this game was so boring, so dull. There was nothing of any interest for me here. And I think the actual crowd and attendance were kind of feeling the same. I felt really bad for Gloucester. And it makes me think back of what we said about Bath and Montpellier last year. But those Gloucester players didn't pick the team. And they were told you're going to be well, you're professional players, you're going to play against Leinster, you're not going to turn around and say no. Like, So those players selected, I felt, did their very best, but just weren't at the level needed to, com- to compete with Leinster. And that's not, that's not a reflection on them, I think, as, a, as individuals or anything like that. I think the coach and staff who knew they were sending a team to the slaughter kind of need to have a little conversation with themselves and like- say... 
they knew those lads are going to get absolutely oh, yeah. walloped here and it's, at and this it's, game. And, it, and it's bullshit. Like, because you turn around and as, as part of a coach, don't get me wrong, I know in professional rugby that you say winning is everything and it's about the next result. And it's it, that is essentially what it's about. But at the same time, if you're not willing to put your hand up and say, like, I've sent 23 lads out there now just to the slaughter and I know well that they're going to get hammered and I'm okay with it. Like it is what it is. Just go out and yeah. Blah, like, blah, you're, if you're man after us, wasn't he talking about? Oh, we had a we had a bye week that we had in the premiership, and then that was taken away. So we have no other time that we had to do it. And it's just like, yeah, so you, but like so this you choose is, to do it in the second week of Europe. You choose to do it in the second week of Europe. I know they yeah. beat they beat Bordeaux. Um, so they they're did, going yeah. okay. So look, like I think I think they figured they were going to get beaten regardless. So look. Do we need to ship a big loss with our main team and lose a ton of confidence and get get a, get a knock that way? Nah, they don't. But like, yeah, like your main team shipping a loss, that's fine. But I mean, those 23 players that went out and just got hammered 57-0, I mean, what about their confidence? What does that say about them when they have to step up in the premiership or in Europe ahead of a first teamer and say, well, listen, I know I can do it, blah, blah, blah. Like you look at... I mean, you look at other teams who have brought maybe young players in or second or third line players in and they've got a win and you say to yourself, you know what, they're going to be challenging now for a position. They're going to be challenging for a spot and their confidence is high. But I mean, against Leinster there, Friday night, they were literally sent out. And even like near enough the end of the game, there was a, I felt what should have been a Gloucester try and I thought, uh, watching it, and I still think now that it was a high tackle from Sexton. But their captain, their on-field captain at the time, walked up to the referee and just said, was that not a high tackle? And straight away, the referee just went, no. And he went, okay, thank you. Just asking. And walked straight away. And you're like, hang on a second. Like, if that was Johnny Sexton, that's not how the conversation... Johnny Sexton would have the solicitor's letter. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not how the conversation would go. And that's, I think that's how, like, when it comes to, when it comes to Europe, it was, it was just kind of... It's not what you should be doing to players. Like if if it's a if it's an A game or something like that, that's where you get to try this shit. But I think second weekend in Europe against Leinster at home, like Leinster at home, and you're sending over these guys knowing to yourself, listen, keep it under 60 or whatever. Like that's not a message. But like leadership. there was very that's- little in the game itself that was of interest to me. This was a bit of a bit of a fish in a barrel type thing, you know. Leinster oh, put them away yeah. as I expected, yeah. you know. Like and I think Leinster would have done that to them anyway. But I think given how weak Gloucester were, because I don't think they'd named their team by the time we recorded last week. No, they hadn't. Um, Nobody yeah, had. It was. It was just man. It was just. I don't know. This is kind of a side effect, and this is probably where we could talk about this as opposed to elsewhere. The format that we have for the last three years really suits the top fourteen and the Gallagher Premiership. And the URC, to be fair, I think that the current format as it is, is all about the knockout rugby and everything before that is only bullshit because you can basically, you can get through with one win and a couple of losing bonus points. You don't even have to get a losing bonus point in every game. I think at the moment, anybody who's on around five points is already going to qualify, more or less. I think in, in the Pool B, there's a bit of doubt there because Montpellier lost a game that they probably didn't expect to. So there's more people out. Because again, look at Pool A. Everybody in the top eight is on five points. Everybody who isn't is on less. 
So it's going to more likely stay that way, right? It suits those. It like I think we're on the kind of the, the slow walk now to Europe, meaning less and less. But like, it'll all be forgotten if there's a really good knockout phase in uh, in April. But I don't know. I think teams like when when Gloucester won that five nil, uh, they already got the, they got their bonus point in the first round. I think they were just like, yes, brilliant. We can fucking throw that game against Leinster away. <laughs> and not think twice about it. And I think like they're right to do it. The format allows them to do it. But it's just you're setting up a ton of guys to get walloped, and that's exactly what happened. But because like I was expecting Leinster to rotate around some guys, they didn't really. <laughs> like no, they just pretty Leinster, much had Leinster, more or less their full team. Leinster went to work, didn't they? They were just and, like, and it, it's something that I thought would happen that Leinster couldn't give a shit who Gloucester named. They're like, we're going to go out to rattle this, and that's it. Like. And you can you can put out your best, you can put out your second best, you can put out your third best. We're gonna play the exact same way. And whether we win by 10 or we win by 60, we're gonna play the same way. And it's up to you to stop it, kind of a thing. Do you know how there's that meme, right? <laughs> where where like if ever Leinster lose a knockout game, there's always some fucking guy who looks like an an accountant come rugby player uh showing up in the media going, guys. The, the fucking Pro 14 is just not doing it. It's not preparing Leinster for this level of rugby. And I think actually it's at the stage now where the European pools aren't preparing Leinster for the impact of the serious teams in, in Europe come the knockouts. Because yeah. Rassing are really poor this year. Like, And I know Leinster made them look poor. Like, like Leinster like embarrassed them in La Havre. But you look at Gloucester sitting over the, like that group, Leinster got nothing out of that game. No. It was nothing, that will, nothing, nothing that will stand to them come in, 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 uh, in April or May, whenever, whenever it is, March or April, whenever it is. But like the same will be true now for the games that they'll, that they'll have next in January at home to Racing. Racing will have already jacked into the tournament at that stage. They're out now. So they don't care about that fixture. And if you look at uh, Gloucester away, I think Gloucester will select a stronger team. But you know, I, I think that's that that's of no interest to Leinster. It's just it, it's it's a strange one because I think Leinster are so strong now and so dominant that a lot of teams, like if they don't need a result, will just throw the game almost. Yeah, and like, like that's kind of what Gloucester did. And I think it's a very difficult thing to police as well in terms of like. You see people saying, oh, they should be fine for throwing the game or whatever. But I mean, all you need to do is turn around and say like, well, we sent out a group of players. We thought we'll get the job done and didn't. So and that's, and you're, you're going, well, they're not your best players, but they can, <laughs> those say, guys well, are rubbish, but they trained really weak, really well this week. So there you are. Like, there's, but, there, there, like there is no way to police it, there's but it's no like, policing it. Yeah. I think it's because look, there's, there really is no jeopardy at this stage of the tournament for, I think there's a bunch of teams who are at that top level who take it very seriously and who figure that they can win Europe. There were around five or six of those teams. Well, last year, I mean, seven points was enough for knockout. Now, I know there was COVID games called off and everything, but Montpellier, if I'm correct, reached the quarterfinals only having won two games. Yeah. And, and they, like, they, well, got, if, they got, yeah, and like they won the they top got, 14. And, and they got pumped against Leinster as well. What was it like? That was eighty nine something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was outrageous. So I mean, if you're looking at that, you're thinking to yourself, well, if Montpellier can 
get done that badly away, why wouldn't we do the same and still get to the quarters and, you know, give it a rattle? Because, I mean, after that, it's knockout rugby and sure anything can happen, you know? That's it. And it's like, I, I think that that's what most teams focus is now. You get your, you get your business done, which I think for most people is five points before Christmas at a bare minimum. If you can have that, everything else will take care of itself because it's at the point now where most teams now have a very solid idea as to what's going to happen to them in Europe. Leinster know now that whatever happens, they're qualifying for the knockouts, right? Gloucester know that they're in a good position because they have their five points. So they'll see how it goes. But like you look at uh, other sides now, like uh, Northampton, we'll talk about later. They know they're out now. So like it, it just makes it where now the teams who are at the top, who are playing the teams that already know they're out are just going to just double down on their advantage. So it's just one of those things where it's just, it's just the format and Gloucester are right to play the format to manage their squad as best that they as best they think but as an actual contest it like for genuinely it like it isn't really worth talking about because Leinster were just so superior to them in every way it just was of no interest to me whatsoever and it was one of those games you kind of knew it was going to happen as well there was no there was nothing that kind of told you okay maybe Gloucester are up for this kind of a thing it was yeah look maybe they'll spring a surprise because I think I think you know Gloucester took a fully loaded team there to the RDS. Who knows what can happen? Yeah. Who knows what can happen? I had a lot of Melvins on Twitter going, I was because I said the other day about like, oh, the Glass Gloucester are right not to go to the, you know, to the Aviva Stadium or whatever else, like is in as if I'd be paying attention where the fuck Leinster are playing. <laughs> and it was like, well, actually, it's in the RDS. <laughs> it's like, I don't give a fuck where it is. My point is, is that they're right to manage their squad as best as possible. Because to be honest, they don't give a shit about what Leinster fans have paid to go in and see a contest. You know, I mean, look, I, I'm sure there was entertainment there for the for the fans who went along. But like, I think at the moment in the European pools anyway, that's kind of going to be what it looks like at the moment. It's, you're just going to have a lot of turkey shoots. Yeah. But the turkey shoots can't be entertaining. I've been on some great turkey shoots. But um, it's just, it's one of those things where you can't really, it's just a, a byproduct of this game right now in Europe. Yeah, no, I think so as well. Um, we'll talk about the Leinster-Munster game, I suppose, after we talk about Munster, but moving yeah. on to Connacht versus Breve. This was an interesting game because, well, I know it was on the same time as the Leinster game, but watching it back, Leinster, or Leinster Society, Connacht were 21-3 up at half time, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know, a very indisciplined Breve side, um, Papa Lee, he had a red after 20 odd minutes. Ratuva had a oh, stop. I know, like, I mean, he doesn't <laughs> we were talking about back, this the other day, Jesus Christ. Like, we couldn't have called it better. But Ratuva got a yellow after half an hour. He's probably lucky it wasn't a red, to be honest. He's been cited for it since, but like, I mean, it was probably a red. It should have been a red. It doesn't really matter though. It was, it was a yellow at the time. So that's what counts. And then Karkadze had a yellow as well after about 47 minutes. So you're looking at a team who played against 14 for what 40 minutes and played against 13 for 40 minutes. If that, no, uh, 20 minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah. One second. My math is all over the place there. Um, my, 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 my maths are worse than yours. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take your word for it. So they, they played against 14 for 10 minutes of the second half, or for the first half, 
They played against 13 for 10 minutes of the first half. And they played against 13 for 10 minutes of the second half. That's probably the easiest way of putting it. Like, So they had two periods against 13 men, let's say. But, I mean, it's 21-3 at half time. like watching it back. Now, I know I saw the score um, before I watched it back, so I kind of knew it wasn't going to happen. But, you know, 21-3 up at half time, they're very much in control. You're thinking bonus point here. Oh, you're thinking, enough. You're, you're thinking, let's wreck this. Like, you're thinking, let's go. And then suddenly... But, like, but at the very least... You could imagine, okay, get the bonus point, foot off the gas a small bit, take it handy, get back on the fucking plane, no bother. And then even like after half time, Dillahun gets that try two minutes after half time, and you're like, you know what? This is on here. It's like they're they're just gonna put a, a score on him, like they're gonna put tons on him. And then suddenly they just take that foot off the pedal. And it was a bit like Connacht of old, like this season, like I know last season we talked about Connacht and that last quarter that they had where they just took the foot off the pedal and lost the last quarter an awful lot of games. This season, it's actually been Connacht winning that last quarter in a lot of games. And it's leaving, actually their, leaving themselves too much to do. It's actually their strongest quarter this season, funnily enough. But, you know, suddenly Breve start getting a bit of a foothold into the game and they start allowing it. And... Breve actually get a bonus point out of it, a losing bonus points, which at 21-3, I think we said the same thing when Ulster played Leinster and they were 21-3 up at some point, weren't they? They were, um, they were. Yeah. yeah, and you're just kind of like, if you look at that scoreline at halftime, or I know the, the Ulster-Leinster game was a few minutes before halftime, you're thinking to yourself, this is it, like game over, ball burst. But like just Breve just got into it and kind of, kind of allowed them get into a true not finishing chances, not being ruthless enough, not finishing, not finishing chances, chances in the 22, so on and so forth. It was a game where you're kind of like, if you're brave, you're looking at that and you're thinking, do you know what? Under a turn fixture, like we probably have a chance to sneak something here. Like. As in we can have a right rattle off these guys. Yeah. But do you know what? I'm, I'm, I've got a theory, right? Oh, go on. <laughs> that there are some sides, and this is something I've seen a fair bit, they're struggling to play against shorthanded opposition. How many times have we seen it? Where teams will, uh, the opposition will go down to 14 men or whatever else for however long. And the other team are thinking, well, they're going to throw a score on here. And then it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like where people start to, they go off plan or they go off script and they start shooting for space. It's not there. Or like playing in a sort of a, a like off scheme, like what worked to generate the scores in the first place. Now everybody's almost shooting for, well, we've the space must be there. So you start playing uncharacteristically. Like Ulster absolutely do that. But Connacht as well, I just, like there's a lot of errors and stuff like that as well. But even to put paid to your um, theory there, when you look at Ireland, remember they went against uh, Italy who went to 13 players. Suddenly you're rushing shit. And yeah. Who was it they went against there not so long ago and uh, they went down to 13 for a while and it was off a scrum, I remember. And England. Uh, was it England? It was England, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they just blitzed the defence and wasn't it low, dropped the ball or dropped yeah, the Yeah, everyone like was just that. like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. I remember was Owen, was, was, that Owen was like, <laughs> Owen was fucking now. Fuck's sake. Because he, he was said it in the voice notes <laughs> and the thing. It was just, it was amazing. It was... He was very annoyed. We actually have Owen here for comment. Uh, Owen, what did you think of that? 
Oh, dang. Yeah. God, God damn. God damn. I said, God damn. Why, why do you got to do that for? That's enough for you, Owen. Get back to it. Get back to the fighting. Um, but yeah, like you, you do see that, like, you know, and it's, it's teams that feel under the pressure, like of suddenly, oh, they only have 13. We have to capitalize rather than let's just stick to the structure here and stick to the game plan. They'll run and, out, they'll run out of players eventually. <laughs> and like, when you think about it, like Connacht were 21, three up at halftime, like they had a 13 man versus 15 advantage, let's say for, for 10 minutes at that time as well. Like, it's obvious that like it, you know. It was if it happened again a second time, just do what you did the first. Just relax. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Just, like, like, just repeat that. Repeat that. But that's the thing. If you're if you're going to play a certain way against 15 to open up the space against 13, that space, that same space is going to be opened. If anything, it's going to be opened up that bit quicker. So you don't need to you don't need to deviate from the plan. Like, but and then on I, top I, of it I, though, I felt Connacht should have put 50 oh, on them. Like, stop. Yeah. No. Like that was just that was very disappointing and frustrating. Um, and it, like, it takes a lot for you to say that was frustrating from Connacht. It's, it's, no, frust- it's like frustrating because it's like, come on, like it was just annoying because it's like it's one of those things where okay, look, put up a put up a score, no bother, every reason in the world to do it. And then on top of that, though, compounding it, some nasty injuries to yeah, Thornbury Gavin Thornbury and, uh, and Paul Boyle. Boyle. Yeah, a shocker. But uh, the other day, right, I was again, I was out multiple times this week. Shopping and doing this other bit. We've got to go to some place tomorrow, by the way. Right? This guy, he's like a secret ham guy. He's a guy around the place. In Rakhil. In Rakhil, who's ham. Is his name Joe? Joe the Butcher? It could be. Is he the healer? I'm not sure if he is or not. I'll ask him. There's a guy in Rakhil. He's a butcher. His name is Joe and he's a healer. I know (laughs) because I went to him before and I remember I walked in. I I had a bad hand. And I walked in and he took one look at me and he said, your knee is out of alignment. And I was like, well, that may be true, but that is not why I'm here. <laughs> I was like, that, I, I'll, I'll ask day, him tomorrow. It was that day I stopped trusting healers. What I'll do is I'll walk in limping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be like, he'll be like <laughs> we'll a bad, see if he fucking pulls it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, like I saw an article popped up on my Discord. And I thought somebody was fucking with me in the Discord. Um, because the article was something along the lines of Peter Wilkins or whatever else kind of going, no, I don't think the former Connacht players deliberately injured uh, the players uh, for Connacht against Breve on Saturday or whatever it was. And I was like, who in the name of God asked that fucking question? Do you know who asked that question? Well, was it you? Well, it wasn't me. No, I was being genuine. Do you know? No, I have no idea. I was just like, that's that's a wild question. Ridiculous. Come on. Like, Papa Illy gets red card against everybody. So, of course, (laughs) he's going to get the red card against Connor. It's (laughs) nothing personal. It's strictly business. It's strictly business. (laughs) Me me accumulating more red cards than Thomas Lavanini is just strictly business. (laughs) But, like, it's, I, I, I looked at that and I was like, I've been on some press conferences where there's been some wild shit happen. Let me tell you about the guy who <laughs> fucking his cat walked across his keyboard as he was in the middle of asking Graham Rountree a question. Right. So instead of just kind of shooing the cat off the fucking keyboard, he caught the cat and fucking hoid him over his shoulder <laughs> right on the thing. And I'm just like, what? I couldn't believe it. I was just like, did that just fucking happen? 
And I've had another fella kind of basically looking. Sorry, to- sorry, sorry, Graham. I know it was mid question, but I'm just calling the guards now. To, I'm calling um, the I'm guards. Kidding, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Are, are you calling the guards at the same time, there, Graham? Uh, we yeah, so there was another one then where some fella had this idea where he was going to really fucking put it to Stephen Larkham. He was going to send me this, didn't you? Stephen yeah. Larkham. He was going to say to him, "What's going on here?" With the the rugby years are playing, and he wanted to do it in a way where he was using the words of uh, I think it was Don Lenehan and written Lennon, an article yeah, about yeah. Munster don't have enough strings to the bow, and the guy on the presser put this to Stephen Larkham, and uh, Stephen Larkham was just like, "Well, what are we not doing that you think we should be doing better?" And you remember in RoboCop? Did you ever see RoboCop? I believe the answer was. Uh, it was like, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 your man was fucking sweating. He was gulping. <laughs> he was swallowing hard. And he was just like, I'm just duh, a civilian. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> I'm just a civilian. But Donald Lenin said. <laughs> <laughs> that monster don't have enough strings to the bow. Basically, the most vague and nebulous criticism that you could possibly ever level at somebody. And it was just, I was having an out-of-body experience due to cringe. And like, even then, I can't imagine anybody in those pressures kind of going, remember your players there last year that you had? Do you reckon they were out to fucking kill you? <laughs> Do you reckon they were out to injure your lads out there? Like, what? Well, like, no. it's, it's especially like if you had watched Papalihi play in the last two, three years, like, the question answers itself. <laughs> the question there is self evident. It's like, it's, like, we were joking about it during the week. I don't mean to be like, you know, insulting to him, but like his tackle technique has been poor for years. It's been something that's been commented on for a long time. So it's the like, fact that it, he's I, actually I, a huge ball carrier. Yeah, like, but it's the fact it's the fact that his tackle tech came into question against Connacht. It's not that the fact that it was against Connacht. It was just that's like just part, something that's endemic just, in his game. It was just it was just the team he was playing when it happened. If that <laughs> makes sense, like it, was, it could part, have literally been anybody. It's par for the course, kind of a thing, but. No, I felt I felt Connor could have put fifty on it, but like even looking at the injuries they had, like you look at Boyle, like like Boyle was coming back into form. I think he was he was doing really really well. He had a really 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 good game last weekend as well. Yeah, the, on the first round. But but I think when it comes to Boyle, you look at the back row for Connacht. You have Oliver, you have Prendergast, you have Butler, you have Don. You know, like there were there were bodies there. Yeah, you. I, I feel you can survive without Boyle, but a big thing for me when when Thornbury came back from that long injury he had, it was almost like, you know, this is a, this is the the heft they need. This is a big size that they need, and suddenly he, he has to go get surgery on a knee. Then that's it's a like, massive. That could be him gone for the season. It's a massive blow, like like because I mean, he's a huge player for them. Like he was, I remember he came on was it against Munster there, a few weeks ago. And like you have that thing when you know when you know you know when somebody is a big player for a team you don't like when they're playing your team. Yeah, you're going yeah, yeah. oh here we go. I that's did, where I did. that's where Gavin Thornbury is for me. Like he's a he's a very good player for Connacht. Yeah, and I did, I remember I did a video on Connacht's uh, line out D before and just getting into the air and reading it. And Thornbury was a big part of that. Like 
but just to get him back there at the end of last season to have him you know till Christmas and then suddenly now with surgery on a knee you're just kind of like like what do we need to do here like as in it's like don't get me wrong it's not an SNC issue it's not exactly like he's been straining an Achilles or anything it's 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 soft tissue stuff isn't it really like it's some guys are just gonna have those it's just happens like they're just prone to them but you're just kind of like what what can we like what do we have to do here like and I think Connacht are very unlucky and I don't get me wrong I know they have they have very decent rowers there as well you know like Darren Murray as well and you've the likes of um Niall Murray and everything like that the brothers that they're they're excellent you and you 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 know Oshin Dowling he can play in the row as well if you want him to don't get me Josh wrong. Murphy can go there too but like but, like, the, but Gavin Thornbury he's a specific role build that they have they don't really have a whole lot and to be honest a lot of teams are around Ireland and Europe don't have a lot of guys with that size and heft and that's why he's so important I think to what Connacht are doing it's a sickener to see him injured yeah well we'll probably talk about the the preview to the Ulster game after we talk about Ulster but who would you like to talk about next Ulster or Munster um Ulster because of how because of how spicy it is there's a lot to, there's a lot to discuss here I don't even know if I have enough battery in the laptop to get through this but <laughs> fuck I mean there is a lot to get through here when like, you, and, uh, like I don't want to throw I'm not going to throw you know, blame at anyone or anything because, I mean, I, th- I think when it comes to Ulster, like they want to play at home, they're, they're fans, the whole lot, if they if they believed that their pitch would have been playable, which I've no reason to doubt that they did they, believe like, it They, be they were full sure that that was going to, like that it was going to end up being you, playable. If, if you're in that situation, you are, to give us till the final hour to be able to call this like. Yeah. And it was called the, the, the night before. Yeah. Um, so like they're then, basically saying, they, should they you not have waited till the morning? They wanted till the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. there was pressure from the EPCR because which is understandable. Was, oh, understandable, like is in yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everybody has money tied up in this, like yeah. you know, like Ulster wanted to get their big home gate. Like these are worth a lot of money, and if they had to it's, move it's that, it's, it's something like five to seven hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, like that, like that's just result. at the gate, you know. And that's like, before the investigation from the EPCR. As yeah, well. and it's like. So they want that game. I, I completely get that to get that game played at home because you know there, there's a lot of talk about the emotional side of it and the you know with the fans and the, the advantage of their on field or whatever else. But off field, that money is very important because that's one of your bankable games. Like I think if Ulster were looking this season at like what games are going to be rammed out, big sellers for us at home. La Rochelle coming to town, European champions. You've got Massive. your cat, your cat A tickets. The full full whack for them. You get a full sellout at, at, at Ravenhill. 18K, which I, th- I think it was a full sellout. Oh, it would have been. Definitely. You want that. You want that money. Especially these days, you need that money. So they were doing everything they could to make sure that that game went ahead. And I think they were saying, look, if you give us till the morning, it'll defrost, you know, and it should be playable then. We, we can at least get the game played. But EPCR have money tied up in this also. It's a big game. It's a big broadcast fo- a focus for them. And there's been lots of stuff that's come out since. It's just like, I don't know. It just makes it. It just looks like a very awkward situation. Yeah, it's just, not as I awkward think, as you behind the presentation of the trophy. No, that but, is the, the most enough. awkward situation. But second, close enough. Second most awkward situation probably the weekend was the Ulster situation. I yeah, and it's like, yeah, it just feels like, do you know, <laughs> you get a vibe in a pub that this is going to kick off here. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is just kind of where it's like, this is going to get not messy. This is going to get sloppy. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, a situation where somebody says like, well, I actually tried to do this and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, well, okay. Well, that changes things. Or I didn't know that, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly the other side turns on and says, well, actually. And you're like, oh, this changes things massively. Like, oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dearie like, me. As in someone here doesn't have their facts straight. And yeah, so it's like somebody it's here is bullshitting now. And it's like that in itself makes it very, very awkward. Yeah. But it's just, I think it was a massive, another big destabilizing factor for Ulster that I think Took the you look at their first mouth. half. Yeah. Like they've had such rotten luck in these first two rounds. And I heard, um, I think I read something about Stephen Ferris this morning where he was talking about a bad result against Connacht this Friday against Connacht and then a loss against Munster after Christmas all of a sudden is Dan McFarland under pressure well we probably probably look at the game against La Rochelle first yeah I know they I know they won two bonus points in that second half of the game for me a big part of that winning the second half was don't get me wrong they came back into the game they regrouped they regathered they've had a shit two weeks in terms of prep and you know all their preparations getting thrown up in the air like you look at say last week four hours before kickoff there in Belfast you look at this game you think it's going to be in Ravenhill the night before suddenly it's in Dublin there's no fans well there's some La Rochelle delegates etc and a different story whatever but you know as I suppose as a professional rugby player, you get used to the comfort of there, there's no unknowns. You're like, well, we're playing at home now this weekend. That's it. I'm going to wake up in my own bed. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I have my match prep. And suddenly all that's thrown out the window. Very much like it was the week before. But in winning those two match points, a little bit of me thinks, okay, maybe let's say half of me thinks, okay, Brilliant from Ulster. They came back and they, they, you know, they woke up, they got two points, blah, blah, blah. They did really well to earn those two points. But it, the other half of me is kind of like, well, it was 29 nil at half time. How much did La Rochelle switch off and say, well, this game is won here? Well, like, because La Rochelle had their business done. Yeah. And now I know La Rochelle and will probably be annoyed that they didn't get the bonus point. And if you look at that situation at 21, or sorry, 29 nil at half time you're thinking to yourself, if anyone's getting a bonus point here, let alone like a, a, whatever about a, maybe a four point or a losing bonus point, whatever about the losing side getting one bonus point somewhere. But if there's a bonus point somewhere to be got here, it's probably going to be La Rochelle and they didn't get it. So yeah. Which, they, again, it's they, just really weird because like, I think they, so strange. So they had strange. the game won at that point. But this, this, is, this, but this is what I mean. Like how many times have we seen a team so many points ahead at half time? that kind of say, listen, we can afford to switch off here and like worst case scenario, we'll still win the game. Mightn't be by as much, but yeah, but like, you know, we'll be like, we'll get that bonus point. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Because we have this game won. If you think at halftime, if it was 29, I don't know, 17, do you think La Rochelle would have turned around and switched off as much? I don't think they would. I think they would have gone on to win quite comfortably then and got their bonus point had that been the scoreline. Yeah, because Ulster were so bad, it wasn't true in that first half. Yeah, because they were so bad, I think Ulster, uh, La Rochelle, they seemed even to come out just a little bit lackadaisical, and that's been a factor with La Rochelle 
in the regular season of both top 14 and uh, and in Europe. Not, not so much in Europe, but like in top 14, they've been known to leak performances like this. And uh, like, I think looking at uh, how Ulster came back into it, bit of fortune involved, I think, there as well. But lots for Ulster to take out of it as well. I think there is an awful lot for Ulster to take out of it. And we can probably look at that Connacht game. I think, and I believe that if Ulster or Ulster going into this game, I should say, I don't believe that their whole season hinges on this game against Connacht for the simple reason that URC wise, I firmly believe they'll finish top eight, even if they lose to Connacht. Oh, for sure. I'd be very surprised to see otherwise. And then it comes to knockout rugby and you're like, you know what? Anything can happen. And I like, I get that there might be a trip to South Africa or whatever, but when it comes to knockout rugby, all you have to do is win. It doesn't matter by a bonus point or whatever the shit. As long as you win, that's all that matters. But for that reason, I think that if 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 Ulster fail to win this weekend, it doesn't really end their season at all. But I certainly think that it destabilizes an awful lot of what they look to create over the last couple of years. And what makes it even more difficult is that, I mean, if, if you look at Ulster there, the second half of Leinster, the two halves against Sale, the first half against La Rochelle, that's 103-7 that they lost. Yeah, I saw. I think I, well, well, but did you say that? I, I, I remember uh, seeing it somewhere. I was just like, man. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend, pretend that was me. Yeah, um, but, like, but, I remember seeing it somewhere. It was like, it probably was Jeff. But it's an outrageous score. Like, And even yeah. if you put that into two games, I know it's four halves of rugby, so you could put that into two games. That's still almost 50 points a game they're shipping there. But you could say, oh, it's just a bad run that they're having. But if you look at that Scarlet's game, they played away to Scarlet's. They still ship 39 points in that Scarlet's. No, don't get me wrong. They won. Yeah. They still, they still ship near 40 points in that game. So it's a very dangerous kind of game to be playing. And especially when you're heading out to Connacht without the likes of Herring, Burns, uh, Balakoon, Hume, Madigan, O'Toole, Postlewaite, Stockdale, Aaron Sexton. Like it's all of us. Like it's a very different picture suddenly sorry, when you're going as, against a team like Connacht who have won six of their eight last games. As the vibe inspector in chief. <laughs> Hit me with the vibes. <laughs> Does a loss this this Friday to Connacht? Does that sour the vibes even further? Given the loss against Leinster, the loss against Sale, ultimately the loss against La Rochelle, despite the you know the, the encouraging things there, does another loss against Connacht away from home, which again that's that's got tricky written all over it, especially coming up to Christmas. Oh well, I think especially when you think it's the twenty third, people have just finished up for Christmas. It's a Friday night kickoff. People will be out for a few points. It'll be a loud atmosphere. There probably won't be an awful lot of Ulster fans there, considering it's a Friday night. Yeah, four, it's four like, odd hours away from the north. Like they're around doing their bits. They're driving around the place. It's a tricky, tricky place. Jingling the keys. We gotta go. <laughs> tricky, tricky. Like you know that. Like, but like, if they lose that game, and like, you know, just even whatever the scoreline doesn't really matter. If they lose that game. Does that then start to build that pressure? Because, like, you know, everyone's talking about like coaches under pressure. And you look at Dan McFarland, like he's been backed. Stephen Kitts, Kitshoff is coming next year. Like he's been backed in the in the in the, the market, you know, to go get his guys, his win now guys, right? Um, I don't see Ulster 
parting ways with Dan McFarland, whatever happens. Oh, I, just no. I just don't see it. No, 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 no. I don't see it. Like, no. it will certainly build the pressure. Like, because again, they've got to go away to La Rochelle in January and like get Sale at home. Sale would be thinking, look, well, we can get a huge win over here. Like, this is a very difficult run of games for, for Ulster. But like, it'll just set up a really damaging kind of, you know, period where you lose a lot of games. It's difficult to recover from that. We saw Munster at the start of the season where look, there was that kind of thing where, okay, look, Munster are training differently. They're playing differently, whatever else. There's that as a sort of a thing in the background. But with Ulster, they're a settled side. They've been playing, you know, like under the same coaching crew for a while, uh, playing more or less the same style. They're building their squad quite well. Um, I don't just think it rocks confidence. And like once the vibes start to go sour, like who knows where you end up, you know? It, I, yeah. I, I, whatever happens though, I just do not see Ulster parting ways with Dan McFarland, whatever the results. I just no, don't no, see no. it. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, I don't, I like, I, and I think anybody who says if, I think anybody who says if Ulster lose this game against Connacht, McFarland's gone is just talking rope, to be honest with you. That to me, I don't but, know. I, just don't, I don't see it. Even if he loses against like it the, makes, the Munster, it makes, it makes no sense. That would just be absolutely just absolutely no sense. But just, if you, if you, if you look, if, if, if they do lose against Connacht and they're heading into 2023 and that 1st of January, is it 1st of January they're playing Munster? I think it is, yeah. Something like you, that. If, if they lose to Connacht, you look at their last run of games and you're thinking, well, they, lo- they lost to Connacht, lost to La Rochelle, lost to Sale, lost to Leinster. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, okay, we're a team that at the start of the season would have bet ourselves against the best in Europe. And now suddenly we've lost to a number of teams who would, who would deem themselves the best in Europe. Do we look at 2023 as a, you know, okay, start afresh, we go again? Because I don't think you can, because I mean, you're midway through a season. It's nothing's, nothing's changed by the, the three instead of a two in the year. And, they, and they've the got their win. Thing. They've got their win now, guys. They've got in Stephen Kitchoff. He's not being brought in for three years to be like, oh, we're on a development arc now. Yeah, they're not paying him that money for him to be a guy who's going to be look well. We'll we'll just see how he goes. That's a win now, guy. Yeah, and I and I I I genuinely think I was only thinking about it today. Like that Connacht game versus Ulster, I genuinely think that Connacht are in like six out of eight of their last or six of their last eight games. They're in a very good place. They had maybe a poor you know first I don't know two three four games start to the season whatever the number was, but. You know, they, they've really turned things around. They're in a good place. They're mentally, they're very good. Two wins out of two in Europe. The only thing I think that might put Ulster in the driving seat for the game, like I, I, I think Connacht will win this game, but I think the only thing that might stand to Ulster is if Connacht have the same last quarter than they had against Breve or even second half against Breve, and if Ulster have the same second half, and can put something to do with their first half as well. Because let's face it, the first half against Sale and the first half against La Rochelle were dreadful. But if they can fix that first half performance, and I think they actually might, like we talked about all their players missing and stuff, but they're not traveling for this game. Uh, the weather's cleared up. So, I mean, both of the last two weeks, obstacles have been cleared. Like it's just going to be a normal run of the mill build up to a game in Connacht that they've prepped for. I don't know how many times before in the past. So suddenly, you know, th- those obstacles are out of the way. They can prep, they can focus. They know, okay, we'll get the bus down. I don't know, maybe the night before, whatever it is like, or the day off, I don't know what they'll do. But suddenly you're kind of looking at, 
okay, even though we're missing all these players, we still feel that we can put in a performance. But at the same time, Connacht are just in such a comfortable, good place with that crowd behind them. And they've essentially been targeting this game. Ah, well, they've been building well towards it. Yeah, Yeah. they've been building really well towards it. And a little bit of me just thinks, like, I mean, you'll probably have Jake Flannery start at 10. Now, again, this has been recorded before, before, you know, before anything's been named, but I certainly don't think they'll name Doak at 10. And if they do, I'd be very surprised considering they have Flannery there. But even that kind of, I suppose you'll probably have Carty versus whoever at 10. Even if it's Jake Flannery, I'm, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's only had one start at ten so far for Ulster this I season. I think so, yeah. So I mean, you have the seasoned fella who's gonna just punch Connacht around the pitch, knows the sports ground like the back of his hand, will have the crowd on his back with every single kick, blah blah blah, against a ten who is relatively inexperienced at professional level. Uh, be it if it be it Doak or be it Flannery or be it whoever. Like I know Madigan. I hope it's as well. Jake Flannery. It has to be Jake Flannery. Like yeah, in my eyes, the, it genuinely has to be. They him. have to, yeah. Like, if you have know. Jake Flannery there as a fit 10 and you start Doak or Cooney at 10, I mean, Cooney maybe, don't get me wrong, but if you're starting Doak at 10 instead of Jake Flannery, it almost sends a message of, well, what do we sign him for? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we don't rate you yeah. almost straight away, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think with Ulster, back, though, like we look at their last three games, they've been very disappointing, okay? But when you look at the sides they've been playing, the power in the packs there, they've been facing now remember they were playing pretty much a full Leinster pack for the entirety of that game I know there was a red card to, to Healy but Porter came on the field very soon afterwards and that was a full Leinster pack pretty much you look at Sale big physical big, pack big pack big a they're, lot of big guys there huge like um, and then you look at La Rochelle not wanting for hefty gentlemen either right I think that Connacht don't have that size and will struggle to impose themselves physically on Ulster. Now, Ulster are missing a few guys as well. So I think that is a, a narrowing point in this game where I think Connacht still have a game that can win here because Ulster are missing a few key guys for them. But uh, I think it'll be very, very close. I think Ulster might just nip this, nip it right at the end. Um, but I think this will be a very, very tight game. I think I'm going to go with Connacht on this one, to be honest. I don't know. There's just something about where they are at the moment. I think they've been building... And the fact they've targeted this game. That's the thing. And and, and that's the thing. Everything that they've done to target this game has kind of gone to plan. And I know Thornbury and Boyle's injuries obviously haven't gone to plan. But I think they're able to manage those injuries really, really well and to put themselves in a good place for it. So I think I'm going to go with the Connacht win. Now I know... Um, Owen actually said that he's going to go for a Connacht win as well, but I am sorry, cho- uh, I am choosing. I got to interrupt say... you there, Jeff. Uh, oh, sorry, Owen. Hi, I got to interrupt you there. Uh, I've had to think about it, and I'm going to go for them. La Guiltinis. Owen, win this game. To, don't know how to tell you this, but uh, you're you're talking about the wrong league. Shut your mouth. Okay. Don't Giltini. you talk to me. So sorry. I'm out of here. So sorry. Giltinis it is. LA uh, Giltinis. Oh, for... Tom, you're, you're back. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. My, my, my connection is bad again. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, while you were gone, Owen things things, things were a little hairy here. Owen came <laughs> As on, you he might was, imagine. He was hugely rude. <laughs> Not like Owen to be hugely rude. Hugely rude. 
Did you feel like one of his assistants when he's out on one of his jollies, waving the I, company credit card around the place? I got him the wrong coffee and he threw it back in my face. He said, you're, you're, cappuccino, a, a cappuccino at this time? You pig. <laughs> you <laughs> you swine. I said, excuse me? He said, you pig. <laughs> you useless pig. And I was like, that's not nice at all. Owen. Now we're here to talk about one thing and one thing only. Swimming. Monster <laughs> rugby and swimming. But I haven't been swimming and I'm not happy about it. So we have Monster Rugby. Just before we talk about Monster Rugby, oh, yes. my laptop, I actually have to plug out the mic to put in my power source because it's going to die. Okay. So let me, I just have to go get different earphones if you just give me a minute. I'm going to do a, a little mini, little TRK podcast in here. You think I'm editing <laughs> this out? <laughs> you think I'm going to be editing this out? All right. I'll just say, uh, hi, no guys. Way. I'll be back in a minute. But Tom's going to tell you all about... TRK. If you're not a regular listener to TRK, you should be. (laughs) And Jeff is back in here now and he's looking around and he's thinking, where is that plug? Because he's got that look in his face where he's like, where is this plug? Where is it at? And he's like, he's, he's perturbed. He doesn't know where this plug is. And he's wondering, is it like, are, you, are you talking about me? Yeah. I can. Yeah. Are you, you actually your, genuinely? Did, did you find your plug? I was, no. I was doing some live commentary of you looking for your plug. No, I can't find it. So <laughs> you're going to have to keep talking for another minute. He has found the plug. The plug is there. I can now feel the power coursing through his laptop right there. Absolutely. Hello. A thrilling. Hello. That was a thrill a minute there. With, the, you, with genuine, the, the little power you, inching down ever so slightly each time, like a timer. Did you genuinely commentate that whole situation? I left it silent. So oh, do you know yeah. what? Through the magic of editing, I'm going to yeah. chop out everything up to the last time that you were, you came in. <laughs> My laptop is fabulous in that it's it's small and it's compact in the whole app. But if you want to put in a USB or a mic or your charging plug, it's all the one hole. Oh. So if your laptop's dying and you're halfway through something, you're like, well, tough shit. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can either let it die or you can, uh, you can go find other headphones. So if the sound quality has dipped since I've done so, I apologize. Sounds It sounds the same. But that was that was thrilling there. Everybody was just, I could just tell the listenership were just like a, a thriller, a Christmas. Will, this is like he, home alone. Will, will he find his headphones? Tune in. <laughs> will he find, where is he at? What's going on with the power situation here with the headphones? It was, well, it I was, was saying there. It was very close to, to dying. So I was saying there about Munster's performance. Um, what were your expectations with this game coming in? A win. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was the same. I didn't think it was going to be a huge win by any stretch. But I like, my, my read of Northampton's team was, when it was named was, first of all, they're fucking huge. Yeah. A huge, heavy team that they picked. And uh, Munster's selection, I think, was wary of the fact that Northampton are a dangerous side in the mall. Um, but a gutsy enough performance. And like we were speaking there earlier about um, the 
you know, at halftime, Connacht not pushing on and getting the bonus point. You could say the same thing here about Munster, but I think the contexts are a little bit different in that it was Munster who ended up going down to, I think he only played 15 minutes of the second half with uh, with a full complement of players um, and still ended up grinding out a win with an incredibly dogged defensive performance. Good God. Yeah, there was a stage where I was surprised that Northampton weren't down to 13, if not 12. Oh, the fight. And, and if not, at least 14 for the rest of the game. Now, whatever, the cards that were given were given. But I'm not criticizing like referees or anything like that. But when you look at everything that happened, how you could just send off the two who were in a scuffle, if even you call it a scuffle at the start, is beyond me. Like, um, what happened to John Ryan afterwards? Kind of like, well, that's a red card. That's a, yeah. I was thinking, well, that's yeah. a red card. I thought. Surely. Um, who cleared out? Who came in and cleared out? Um, it was a was monster it, player. Was it, was, was, it, Shane, was, it, was it Shane Daly clear out? Like Mike Haley came in and cleared oh, out Haley, that was the two, the was two lads on. On um, I was, I was ribbons kind of and law. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that Haley didn't get a yellow, you know, for reacting to the situation. Blah blah blah. And then and, Earls and reacted to that, and then somebody reacted to Earls, and then O'Manny reacted to that guy. Yeah, all in all, I loved it. I do, oh, it was a schmazzle. Oh my days! And it was one that I it was expecting maybe four odd cards to go, if not five. And then suddenly just to see two yellows, you're like, well, hang on a second now. Yeah. I hate I hate to break this to you, but you could not be more wrong in this situation. Yeah, it's like okay, like you could you could see it, you could see where you could see cards for maybe two cards for Munster, maybe a red card for Northampton. And another yellow else. maybe for Northampton for the clear. Yeah, out. like yeah. but though, though looking at it though, uh, do you know what? I liked what that showed about the character. because uh, again, whenever there's scraps, right? I get very excited. Okay. I love watching these scraps because people go, oh, these are disgraceful scenes. And it's like, give me more of these scenes, please. I enjoy these scenes. Do you know what it tells me though? Because I watch and I see, well, who's backing up their teammates here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's getting stuck in with, you know, for their team and who's hanging back, who's not in it. And all of Monster guys were flying in, in that one, which is... I like it's, to see that. It's I understand when people say like, "Oh, that's disgraceful," but like, I think if you're playing a collision sport at that level, it's going to happen. It like, like people get pissed off. It's as simple as that. Like, and, and look, hey, Northampton came into this game and they were they, like they were putting themselves about. Like, this wasn't the first off the ball moment in this game by any means. I think oh, they no. had a crack off Nile Scandal in the first half, well off the ball as well. So like Saints, the Saints were just like. Play to the edge. That's what they were thinking. But they were home. The, but this is the thing: like they played to the edge, they were allowed to play to the edge. That's the thing. And if if you play to a certain level, and then the referee turns around and says, "Listen, stop," you're like, "Okay, that's the level, and I'm going to stop before." It. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to play at the level that's being allowed, well, then the opposition is going to, and they're just going to walk all over you. So, like, like you, they're yeah, going to go over on top it. of you. They're going to bully you. Like, oh, it's yeah. just. It's one of the basic things of rugby, really. It's, it's, it's you have to win these moments. And in terms of the game as a whole, yeah, I, I, I do think you can turn around and say Munster were probably 
be annoyed that they didn't like they didn't score a second half. So that's a conversation. Mm-hmm. And they gave away 18 penalties. That's a conversation. They had was it two, three yellow cards? Two? Three. Three yellow cards? Yeah. That's a conversation. But you look at the defensive system that they employed for that second half. And I mean it there was huge trust shown in it. There was one moment where Hadnett made a big read and and made the tackle deep in Monsters 22. But if you look at the players around him, it was Rory Scannell just allowing him to do it because he had drifted out onto the next threat, trusting that inside player to actually make that read and to, to, to do his job, I suppose. And Munster did that constantly for 40 minutes to the point where Northampton, like looking at that, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Jesus, you know, how, how would you say this now politely? You have Northampton playing against a team that had three yellow cards in that second half. Northampton didn't fire a shot. Like, no. I mean, Munster conceded 18 penalties in that game, but Northampton still managed to lose. Like, they like played over almost 20- every time that Northampton got five meter position at the lineout, they're thinking, yeah, or turnover. They are a big lineout team, like, they're a big mall team. This is they, like they're going to run it over now. But that second half, they dominated territory. They they were all over the possession, and they just scored six points. Yeah, and like and, and Munster's defensive lineout was fabulous. Yeah, like so like I, it was. Do you know, we often talk about clinicality when it comes to your offensive work. Munster's defensive lineout was so clinical. When they made an attempt at the throw, they affected it. Do you know what, Tom? That is a fabulous way of looking at it, rather than looking at. Northampton's inefficiency looking at Munster's efficiency defensively in the red zone that's a fabulous way of looking at it but you have one of the best defensive lineup like operators in the world I would say in Tyg Byrne and Peter O'Mahony and Jack O'Donoghue a guy who one of his big strengths as a player is his lineup work on both sides of the throw his mauling that was a really just excellent performance when it comes to Picking their spots off Northampton's lineup, they brought them down to eighty-three percent completion. There was one lineup mall for Northampton, and if I can't remember when it was, I can't remember what part of the game. I'll try and find it and post it, whatever. But John Klein's lineup D, like Jack O'Donoghue came up the ball. Don't get me wrong, but John Klein's mall D, he was literally a pillar, and I'm pretty sure the mall went around him twice, and mm-hmm. he didn't change his bind. He just stayed in the fight the whole lot for the 30, 40 odd seconds it was going on. And you're just looking at that and you're thinking that is, yeah, he didn't come up with the ball at the end of it. But when you're looking at the actual tech side of it, or even just the defensive attitude of staying in the fight, do not get pulled out of that. You're in a good position, fight to stay there. Like he was unbelievable. He was manipulating their build. Yeah, essentially. With his his presence. Yeah, and they had to fold around him twice, like, and he just didn't allow them. And he didn't change his bind. He made it very clear to the ref. He said, "I've actually not moved. This is yeah. this is their problem, not mine." And Jack, I know Jack I don't know who came up with the ball, but he came up with the ball because John Klein was so brilliant in his defensive movement. So, yeah, I mean, Munster came away with a big win away from home. I would call it a big win, even though they didn't score in the second half. That's the thing, like, because it, it, it's, it's still it's like- a big win. Not every big win has to have a bonus point attached to it because I think that's something you can fall into. I think certainly looking to try and keep up with pool stage Leinster when you're looking at 
bonus points, not his other business. I think that the impact Monster would have gotten from that second half to repel such a big physical team as Northampton, they'll take an awful lot from that. Oh, hugely. And especially because they have Northampton at home after Christmas. And there's going to be some serious house of pain stuff in that game. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tasty. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going but to like, be I, I think that, like, I was most, I was two guys I was really impressed with Gavin Coombs. Yeah. Um, who did his usual, like, you know, give me that ball on the five meter line and I will score, more <laughs> or less. Um, his defensive work, very solid. 25 tackles. It's a huge amount of tackles. Yeah, and it's like in the system Munster are playing, Gavin Coombs is a top guy. He is the core guy for this Munster team when it comes to the build of the back five. You can interchange a lot of guys around there, but it's Gavin Coombs at number eight or wherever it is, wherever he is that makes it work. And he stepped into the second row late in the game. Really, really good. The other guy was Joy Carberry. Yeah, he was good. Really good. Uh, I think he looked like a guy in this game where he is building back to a lot of the confidence that he had and kind of almost back in himself physically to go do the to go out there and do the job that's needed of him. And also him and Craig Casey, two fucking bad boys for life, getting a yellow card <laughs> right after each other. <laughs> They're swaggering around the place afterwards. It's like, yeah, I got a yellow card, but who gives a shit? How often do you see both your halfbacks get a yellow card? Very, very unusual. I'd say Mike Prendergast was sitting there like, oh, for fuck's sake, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need both of you to stop this. <laughs> Even though it led to the reemergence of Mike Haley, scrum half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you He's see his boy. box clear, his box kick clearance? He's a ball. In the second half, what a fucking game he had as well, boy. Un- great player, Mike Haley. Um, lots to but like did, from Munster in that, in, in that game. Here's a question for you. The resurgence, for want of a better word, we're saying of Carberry, do you think that we're seeing that as a result of him being allowed to do or to play in the manner of which he'd like to play within the framework implemented by Prendergast in comparison to the style of safety, um, you know, predictability, maybe that we've seen in the last few years under Van Grant. Absolutely, I think looking at Carberry, like Munster in the last number of years, our approach would change week to week to week, right? So we would go and we were just like, okay, we're going to kick this week against the Scarlets. We're going to kick a lot this week our intent would change against the whatever opposition. This season, the intent stays the same. The personnel might change. Like this game, for example, went for Omani and, and O'Donoghue to start because they're two really good line-out guys. They're really good maulers. Monster needed that in this game against, Toulouse, or against Northampton, given their strengths there. And that worked. But the intent to play doesn't change. The intent is always there of uh, we will run our loop lines with the back three. We will pass to that 3-3 three, three shape in, 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 like, uh, in, on, on phase play. We will use our options. There will be lanes there for guys like Carberry to attack. And like you can't just decide to play that way. 
you have to run yourself into it. Duncan Casey this week had a really good article in the Examiner where he spoke about, and I think Mike Haley had said this, where it takes time to unlearn how to play a certain way. And Duncan Casey had said that, well, like that could be taken as being, being a bit of a dig against Larkham and Van Cron. But when it's it's not though, because like you when you're learning to play a certain way in a system that, that is a certain way, you become that guy. So to unlearn it takes time. And for Carberry, I'm not sure that what we were doing last season suited what he is good at as a player. I think the system we were running with 3-2-X, we'll say, put more pressure on him to be a compression generator himself. And that's not his game. I think that in this system, there are uh, two pods of three forwards during settled phase play. We go to 3-2 uh, on transition. He has more options. There are more lanes for him to attack. So he's attacking space rather than defenders. And he looks better as a result. And the more he has played in the system, the more comfortable he's gotten because it suits him. It suits his game in the same way that it suits Jack Crowley's game, which is another conversation about Jack Crowley at 12. I don't feel he had a great game there at 12. I don't really like the fact that he's lining out at 12. It seems like a compromise to get him on the field. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think... Which I, I, I can completely guy, get behind, by the way. He's a talented player. You want to get him on the field. You, but... want, you want your best players on the pitch, don't get yeah. me wrong. But he's not a 12. Yeah, like, like I, I think... He's never, he's, it, that's his first start at 12. Like, there's a way to make it work where you can play two... Where you can basically play two tens, right? But I think they were using Jack Crowley a little bit too often on the crash where he was running a bigger midfielder's line and we were doing it almost unthinkingly. Like where you're thinking, oh, is that like, you know, is, is, maybe that's Damien Delende. Delende or Gagan or whatever. Or Fekato yeah. or whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there were flashes of, oh, that's how they can work this system where they're both like playing off each other and they're kind of, they're improvising on what the other player is doing. But I think that there were yet a few errors, a few knock-ons and stuff like that, which kind of hurt, the, you know, the, it hurts the game a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'd like either needs more time there and the system needs to be a little bit more tweaked to play with that double play. Like is literally to play with two tens, not a second playmaker, two tens. Um, but yeah, I didn't think he had, had a great game and I thought Joey Carby played very well. Looking at the Ulster game, or sorry, the Leinster game, I should say, on Stephen's Day. I think that if you look at Leinster in all competitions, they've what, 53 points out of a possible 55 so far this season. Mm -hmm. They're rotating really well. They have their, their, their implementation and their style of, of play is obviously well implemented, don't get me wrong. I think at the same time, they're facing a different Munster team than before. Like, yeah, they have that defensive side of it and everything and set piece and everything, they're good. I think when it comes to the attacking shape, it's no longer, well, it, it is no longer as predictable as before. Like before, you'd almost see like the box kick straight away, even especially as an exit, but now they might run it. Um, you, you look at probably in the past, over the past few years, Leinster would have been saying, okay, well, we're playing Munster we're probably, there's a strong chance here, percentages say we're going to get the win. But I think it's a different monster team. Now, 
I'm not saying that Munster are going to win because I think it will be a Leinster one. But I think it's going to be very akin to that Toulouse game a couple of weeks ago where, you know, you look, you look at where Munster played Toulouse last year in the Aviva and they pushed him, but that's the end of a five-year cycle. Yes, they still lost. But you look at where Munster played Toulouse this year and it's a tight game, one they probably could have robbed or could have stolen or got away with. And I think that's maybe what we might see on Stephen's Day in Limerick is a game where maybe I, I think Leinster will come out on top. I don't think it's going to be a comfortable win by any stretch. Um, a couple of points in it maybe, but certainly a game where afterwards you think to yourself, do you know what? Like we're like, and I, and I do think Munster are on the right path, don't get me wrong, but a game where you think to yourself, we could have stole that one there. No, we could have, we could have came out with that. And maybe the, I think you might have some fans thinking, Jesus, you know, we should have won that and been pissed off with that instead of actually looking at it on the other side of the coin, which is, well, we're actually only six months into this. Like we, could, Leinster, we could have banked that one. Leinster are a seriously formidable side. I think for them, they've got a few decisions to make over the Christmas uh, period where test guys will get two straight weeks off, right? So you can't just go, well, one week off, one on, one off. You've got to go two full weeks off. So they've got to pick their battles there on what games they what what games they, they they use and what games they don't. So will they go full bore for Thomas Park? I would not be surprised if they did, because they are very comfortable in the URC, and they understand the value of putting down anything like a monster resurgence. If they feel they can do that in Thomas Park on Christmas, they will do it. That's always been an important thing for Leinster because, like, again, for Munster, this is about more than just points. This is about violence. This is about not having a slapless performance at home against Leinster, which we have seen too much of. I think looking at Munster, what, what Munster need in this game is a real fiery approach, tigerish approach in this game where... Um, they put it put the cat amongst the pigeons a small bit when it comes to the physicality. Can we shock them? Can we show them something that they haven't seen before physically from this monster group? If so, I think we'd be in a good position to start taking this game then onto the next level. How physical can we be against these guys? Can we use the home home crowd in Tomlin Park to really push the envelope here? I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at this game and I want. I want a, a kind of a, a, a bloody, gutsy monster performance. And I think looking at the last couple of weeks, it's certainly there. Look, monsters still have a fair number of injuries in, in core areas that they'll need to be sorted out if monster are to do anything. Uh, I think at the end of the season, you know, you know, to even look at a trophy. But uh, I want to see more fight. I want to see more scrap. And I want to see it put up to Leinster in the same way that it was up in the Aviva earlier in the season, but go the extra step now and get the win. I think Munster are going to win this game. I can't tell you why, though. It's just a feeling in my gut. It's a, it's a, it's funny that you mentioned the next three games for Leinster because they've Munster away, a week later Connacht at home, a week later Ospreys away, and then they're back against Leicester away as well in Europe. But... I suppose if you look at Leinster's selection away to Wales over the last maybe couple of seasons, 
they've not exactly gone full metal jacket like. So they I won't think, feel a need to. Yeah, so I think it's a case of against Munster and Limerick, go full on. Like, uh, will we see Sexton maybe? I don't know. But aside from that, we'll probably see a full team against Connacht. I think we'll see a pretty strong team as well. But maybe a blended. Bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit blended, but not like not a massive drop off. Like, I think that Ospreys game away from home, a bit like I suppose we talked about there with with Gloucester. You know, when you when you look at the delay of the land, you can say, well, we can probably drop a couple of people here, and it's not the end of the world. I suppose I think that's maybe a game where they'll say, you know what, we'll rest them, and then really go all guns blazing because they've Gloucester um, away and then racing at home. Um, in the in Europe, I should say. So I, I I think that we probably will see a stronger team as we'll see from Leinster so far this season against Munster and Limerick. I'm still going to go with a Leinster win. I think um, it hurts me as to say probably as much as it hurts you to hear. But uh, I'm, I'm fuming. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can see it in you there. But Owen said that he's going for Leinster as well, but. We'll just say he picked whatever team lost, I suppose. Won't we? Yeah, yeah. He's exactly. never, he's I've got, never I've got to start making up ground here. Oh, I'm way ahead. No, I I figured. I figured. Oh, I am way ahead. If anything, I I could start throwing games. You can start throwing make, games. It's like who cares? This is nothing in, to me now. To make it interesting again. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, so that's you for Monster and me and Owen for Leinster. Just writing that down, and uh, I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's pretty much it. That's about the size of it. That's about the size of it. So thank you very much for listening into Provincial State of Mind. Thank you for leave listening. It, leave a like. Thank you for listening. A fucking five-star thing. Tell your friends. Spot, tell your friends, even your friends who don't like rugby. Please like, rate we don't, we don't even like talking about rugby on here. Tell your friends. And uh, if Owen kills us and we're not on here next week or the week after, you know why. Tell your friends. You've seen what he's like. Tell your friends that Owen is dangerous. Please rate and review the podcast. Uh, well, oh, wait, and he, he goes, what does we'll, he say? We'll be back we- next week to chat again. Yeah, and hopefully your provincial team wins. Even hopefully though- hopefully your, your provincial team wins, except if you're a Leinster fan. And we'll be back next week to chat again. Even though your provincial team is playing my provincial team. Hopefully yours wins, but I don't mean that. I don't mean that though. I only I hope that I only hope that my provincial team wins and that yours, whatever they fuck, I don't care. You should change it and be like, and hopefully my provincial team wins. Full stop. Hopefully my provincial team wins so I can come on here next week crowing, <laughs> blowing. <laughs> wearing wearing the jersey of choice for that week. Uh, thank you very much though for joining us on, on this provincial state of mind. Have a happy Christmas. Uh, no, this isn't the last one of 2023, is it? No, but it's oh, the one before Christmas. Oh yeah, happy Christmas. Have a happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. And we'll be back next week to chat again. Ho, ho, ho.